Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Castelli podcast. I hope you had a great Christmas and enjoyed the outdoors, either by foot or participating in the iconic Festive Cycling Challenge or riding indoor joining the Castelli Swift Social Rides. Options are many. In today's episode, we'll delve into a crucial topic for this time of the year. Ideal fueling and hydration for long winter training rides and esports events such as the Castelli Swift Series. We'll also discuss the impact of alcohol on sports performance, highlighting how moderate alcohol consumption can help reduce stress in the brain and promote relaxation. Joining us is renowned sports performance nutritionist Danny Hofstetter. Danny has been fueling champions for over 20 years. He holds the IOC Diploma in Sports Nutrition, awarded by the International Olympic Committee as part of the program of the IOC Medical and Scientific Commission. Throughout his career, he has collaborated with a wide spectrum of athletes, from world tour cyclists to mountaineers and everyday amateur cyclists. This episode marks our fourth episode on sports nutrition. So if you missed the other last episodes, I highly recommend you starting there where we cover the importance of incorporating fresh vegetables, fruits, fibers, carbohydrates, proteins into your diet. We also touched on fueling strategies for endurance events, sports drinks, animal versus plant-based proteins, the gluten debate, nutrition myth, and the importance of a healthy gut, not just for athletes, but for everyone's well being. Well, let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome, Danny, to today's podcast. We are very excited to have you back on the pod with us. My pleasure, Soren. It's easy to remember to drink enough during hot weather riding because, well, it's hot, you're sweating and you're generally feeling thirsty. But what about when the temperature drops? You don't need as much fluid as you do on hot days because you're losing less of it and your body doesn't have to work as hard to keep your core cool. But it can be surprisingly easy to get dehydrated. Cyclists simply forget to drink because their drinks are cold. So while you may not feel thirsty two hours into a cool ride, you may find yourself feeling kind of sapped or like you're having an off day because you're getting dehydrated without realizing it. I remember most of my winter rides in Denmark back in the day with temperatures below zero. I would always pour boiling water, sodium and some moderate sports drink into my thermal bottles before leaving for my four to five hour weekend rides with the club and get more calories from food along the way. Danny, what recommendations do you have on easy ways to trick yourself into drinking enough when you otherwise may not feel like drinking? It's like so much, it's, it's, it's a habit, like you have to get used to and, and then stick to it. Now we have bike computers where you can put the timer on it. That, that's a reminder to drink every 15 minutes or so. And then it's also, I mean, here we're, we're talking to an expert. It's also a matter of clothing. If I have the shittiest gloves that I can barely hold my handlebar right or shift my, my levers, I, I, I don't want to drink because I dropped my bottle. Uh, my, my friend crashes because of my bottle. And st- I mean, it's, it's practical <laughs> stuff like that, right? Right. And, and then also another thing that's very important is, is having the right clothing or the right layering system. Because if, if, if you have the right clothes, then you have a certain breathability and, and you don't sweat as much. And the less you sweat, the less fluid you need to replace. Correct. So that these are kind of the fundamentals. And then things that help is is 
When it's cold, you can concentrate your beverage a bit higher, but be sure to stay beneath 8%. So that's 80 grams per liter if you use only simple sugars. Yeah. If you want to increase the concentration up to 12%, you rely on, on a fancy carbohydrate blend uh, of a modern sports drink. But I would recommend to kind of hit two things uh, with, with uh, one slap to use uh, a modern carbohydrate blend, have 12% uh, solution. So on a, on a standardized large bike bottle, you're, you're almost ending up at 90 grams. And then if you add a little bit of salt, because that's the secret that so the I was thinking with use, sodium. Yeah. Um, we put salt on the streets in order to avoid freezing. If you increase the sodium in your drink a little bit, then you avoid freezing bottles as well, or, or you delay it a little you bit. You delay it, yeah. yeah. And also you encourage yourself to drink more. Exactly. But but don't overdo it because we don't want to have broth in our bottles uh, <laughs> or, or something really ugly. Um, but but that's something that's very good. And then, as I said, it's just, hey, keep, keep doing it. You know how long you want to ride mostly. And then make sure after half time, at least one bottle is empty. Or what I normally do is if I go for a five hour ride, I know, okay, after three hours, my, my two bottles shall be totally empty. Right. I need to refill and I plan where I do refill at a gas station or a restaurant or whatnot. Yeah. And then you you have kind of these milestones where you have reminders to stay on, on the drinking pace, so to speak. Right. No, that's, that's true. What I would do basically in Denmark when my water bottles would be completely frozen after 90 minutes of riding. So I would always try to at least finish like one where I would have my carpos in that bottle. Uh, so at least I would get that 60 to 90 grams. But it was a little bit mix of, of salt, as you mentioned. But more important, we would then with the team, we would then put down like uh, points on the map where we would stop either you know, do for a coffee stop or just stop somewhere to where we could refill our bottles, warm ourselves up a little, maybe get some calories from real food. Yes. Um, so that would, that would keep us going, you know, the whole Sunday for four to six hours on those long endurance rides. So, yeah. And another thing, if if you have really long rides and, and, and super hard conditions, why not wearing a hydro pack underneath a kind of a bit of a larger jacket? because then your body temperature avoids freezing and you can carry a lot of additional water with you. So that's, that's something I, I normally do when, when we have long key trainings in winter. Obviously you need to gauge the conditions and the effort anyway, because at a certain point there is kind of this crossover between the costs of a training and, and the benefit. Yeah, And that's normally when I decide to kind of split up a day, maybe do three hours indoors and three hours outdoors or, or stuff like that. It asks a bit of creativity. It does. It does. Yeah. yeah. Then also talking about winter training, I would like to shift over to indoor riding or yes. esports. During winter, most of us are forced indoors when it's snowing outside for at least some of our training. This typically means spending many hours on the turbo trainer, treadmill or in the gym with a pool of salty sweat gradually soaking the carpet. You simply don't have as much airflow indoors as out. Even with a strong fan game, you'll be sweatier inside. Danny, what recommendations do you have to make sure we stay on top of our hydration? I have to admit I'm not on Swift. I've done one 
race or, or kind of a social, an animated social ride with, okay. with the Swiss pros. Yeah. That was the Uber Pretzel. So it's, it's a long one and we were riding for four or four and a half hours. And I measured my, my sweat rate there and I was somewhere around 1.8 liters an hour. I had no fan, no nothing, and it was quite a hard ride. And I mean, you see that you lose easily five or six liters of fluid during during long rides. So basically, one thing you need to be aware is when the fluid loss exceeds 2% of your body weight. So I am 75 kilos approximately. 2% would be 1.5 kilos. So if I lose more than that, the performance is, is, is likely to decline. There are symptoms like headache, muscle cramping and stuff like that. And you want to avoid that. So keep your fluid loss underneath these 2% range. That's not an exact kind of cutoff. Uh, trained athletes can easily cope with 3 or 4%, but their performance declines as well. They're just not kind of dead off the 2%, right? And then the good thing about, about indoor or esports is normally you have plenty of space. And again, failing to plan is planning to fail. But if you prepare your, your bottles and maybe it's five or six bottles or you have your spouse or your girlfriend or your mom yeah. uh, replacing them half time into the right, it's, it's kind of a, a matter of organization. And I would definitely say if, if you're doing longer rides, have two bottles, one that's plain water and one that's your carbohydrates because you, you lose so much fluid. There's no need to only drink sports drinks. And, and then often, only to make this point as well, we don't need to overfill ourselves with carbohydrates. If we only go no. for an easy spin, then we, yeah. we don't rely on, on such high, high refuel amounts. But, but I would say go with a lot of fluids, aim for at least 800 milliliters per hour, rather more. Because if you're not having kind of three professional fans cooling you down, your sweat rate is, is, is through the roof anyway. But, but in terms of drinking and, and nutrition, the energy you need is, is no different than, than when you ride outdoors. It's basically just the fluid need that, that is much higher. That is much higher, yeah. So yeah. adding also the good carbo mix and add a bit of sodium, making sure that you show up, I guess, well hydrated and when yes. finished, continue to drink to thirst and maybe add sodium to your drinks and or food afterwards. Especially Swift events can be extreme, can be many hours. So, yeah. And just to finish uh, off that point, uh, you mentioned afterwards, and that's a very good reminder. What I forgot to tell you is if you evaluated your sweat loss or your sweat rate, it takes about 150% of that absolute loss to replenish your liquid levels. So if you lost three liters of, of, of sweat, you need to refill them with 4.5 liters until you're kind of evening it out. That factors in the amount that you excrete already, like when refueling, because if you drink a lot, you have to pee a lot. But also it, it, it's kind of the osmotic processes that happens in your body. And these 150% are best refilled in the first two to four hours in order not to stale your recovery process. And then I actually feel much more comfortable, even if I'm not swifting, obviously I train indoors, 
I feel much more comfortable if I replace my my jersey or my my base layer after an hour, one and a half hours, because I I, I sweat rather rather intense. Correct. And then some people even replace the bibs because they don't want to have any skin issues and irritations. And you can feel the difference when you're sweating your way through a swift race or entering the dreaded fourth hour on your Uber pretzel effort. Talking about the perfect kit for indoor riding, I mean, any kit will do for a laid back 30-60 minute swift session. But when you're looking for a maximum cooling and comfort, you will have to look beyond yesterday's worn out bib shorts. And while we talk riding indoors, Castilla has a line of lightweight products specifically designed for hot, intense indoor riding. As we know, when riding indoor, you simply don't have as much airflow as you have outside. Even with a strong fan game, you'll be sweatier inside. To avoid overheating and reducing your performance, the kit you wear needs to wick sweat from the skin while allowing air to ventilate both the skin, evaporating sweat, and the clothing to keep it as dry as possible. You don't move around in the saddle as much indoors and you're not riding over rough surfaces. So the chamois doesn't need to absorb vibration. It just needs to provide a bit of anti-friction comfort. Therefore in the Castelli bibs we use the Podero X2 top layer known from a high-end bibs. But in the inside of two bib shorts we use this super soft skincare layer with excellent moisture management instead of a thick, bulky and normal chamois which doesn't help anyone indoors. And also the inside of bibs have been designed to be as light as possible and to be as breathable as possible with no extra details needed. We use this super lightweight lycra fabric material which helps keep the bulk down, flexibility up and the excellent breathability needed to deal with the riding efforts. The bib straps are minimalistic with an open knit design aiding breathability. The raw cut leg endings continue the minimalistic theme offering a smooth and comfortable fit without access bulk. And when looking at the jersey, the fabric is a 3D semi-open mesh which facilitates optimal airflow, ensuring you stay cool. And to maximize cooling, we kept the collar low and the waist short and added a couple of back pockets for storing your AirPods, phone, headband or any essentials you bring to your indoor riding area. And I think in our insider collection, we have about eight different products in the Castelli line yeah. available for men and women. So for our listeners, go and check out the collection on castellicycling.com. But back to this week's episode, Danny, post-ride hydration. So let's just say we finished a high volume training ride, an ultra event, or it could be even an Ironman or bikepacking as well. Tell me a little bit about how we can rehydrate ourselves and how much can we actually absorb. That is not completely different from what we discussed during uh, the exercise. So basically what we need in the first 60 to maybe 90 minutes after finishing the exercise is about 1.2 grams of carbohydrate per kilogram of body weight to start replenishing our glycogen stores. And then also about 0.3 grams of protein because protein helps with the glycogen resynthesis. And also we need to kind of spoil our muscles that we broke down and, 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 and abused, so to speak, during exercise. And with 0.3 grams of easy digestible protein, that's mostly a supplement, can be whey, can be, can be a chocolate milk. Milk, cow's milk is something that's actually very good, despite modern trends saying something different. 
is, is milk protein is, is basically very good in terms of essential amino acids and, and uh, anabolic potential. And in terms of different beverages that we could consume during this phase, it's again the sports drinks because yes, they contain electrolytes, they contain easy absorbable carbohydrates, but maybe at one point you're, you're tired of them. So what I like is a non-alcoholic beer because it has a bit of a sour or not so super sweet taste and it's, it's fizzy, something I, I really like after hot days especially. Can also be mineral water, but something fizzy is, is, is I, I consider very refreshing. And the non-alcoholic beer is good. Fanta is something very good. So the 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 the, 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 the sweet beverage because it contains fructose and after exercise, fructose beats up the liver glycogen resynthesis, and that's one point that's really decisive in in recovery. Yeah, that's some really good points. Yeah. Now you also besides no. uh, sorry, but another thing because we lost a lot of sweat is is broth. So you can make any kind of soup, noodle soup, rice soup, just plain broth. That's that's something that's really good, and it's also kind of a good counterbalance to the sweet stuff you had. Most athletes crave something salty. Broth is is ideal there. Yeah, good recommendations here. But now, so then you touched on non-alcoholic beer. So now I'm gonna you know drag you back to that topic here, just super briefly. Alcohol. So you say non-alcoholic because we always, I think, as an athlete, we try to stay away from alcohol in general or just having maybe one beer. Because I've heard few guys, professional cyclists, telling me that Valverde he used to have a cold beer in the bus after every single stage. Maybe this is just a myth. I don't know, but I kind of love it. I love this myth. And uh, I think having a cold beer after every stage that he did every race, because that's what he just in, enjoyed, that relax factor is just amazing and something I, I could relate to. What do you think about that with alcohol and just, you know, also with a group of friends, you come back from a long ride or a Grand Fondo or a gravel event. Maybe just, I'm not saying that you're sitting there and just crashing four or five beers, but just having a, a beer, a Pilsner, not even high, too high alcohol percentage after even a hard event. What, what do you think about that? What's your opinion? Well, basically alcohol, the substance, whether it's beer, wine, hard stuff, alcohol dehydrates. So after we've sweated already, the dehydration aspect of the alcohol is not benefiting in this situation, but I think I mentioned it last time, we should never look at nutrition only through a functional lens, but also on, on a social and emotional point of view. Yeah. And and here alcohol is, is fully loaded, whether it's social or emotional. And and if the weekend warrior or Valverde enjoys a beer and it helps him calm calm down, get gets over a hard day on the bike, then one beer doesn't affect your performance at all. We had this uh, discussion on, on a recent uh, seminar where the world's leading sports nutritionists gathered mm -hmm. and there is no research that can tell you one beer or a glass of wine is, is detrimental to your performance or recovery. It's always a, a question of the amount. And I would put one asterisk there We need to be aware that alcohol has a dangerously social acceptance and and it also has a peer pressure. So especially after a group ride with the guys, if you say, no, 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 I'm good, I'm not drinking, you're, you're kind of the, 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 the weak rider that, that's not up to, to a glass of beer after a ride. And I, I 
I think that's not a not a good dynamic, uh, but but obviously it's out there in certain cultures. That's even more, but but one drink after a race or after training doesn't harm your performance. Doesn't harm your performance, no, yep. no. I mean, I think also when you talk about alcohol, I mean, if you go out there and have three or four beers after, it, it would affect your dehydration, but also affect your sleep at night. Uh, so yeah, oh yeah, big time. So. Alcohol is mostly considered as relaxing. Yes, that's true. But everything, everyone that monitors their HRV mm -hmm. or, or, or their sleep quality on, on a deliberate scale realizes that if you had plenty of portions of alcohol, your sleep quality is super poor. Right. And beneath that, I mean, uh, with cycling, especially the ambitious cyclists, always is concerned about his watt per kilogram. And you don't get slim and, and, and really low in your body fat if you have a regular alcohol consumption because alcohol has a negative effect on, on your fat metabolism. That's right. And again, coming back to Valverde, I'm pretty sure that before he was putting himself there in the nice bus seat and just chilling with his beer, he probably already had his recovery shake with proteins and carbos and everything else before. So oh, yes. he was just probably just sitting there and chilling in the bus, eating his rice and his chicken you know, driving back to the hotel, enjoying his beer. So to yes. talk about rice and chicken for post-race training recovery. Talking about refueling, a lot of people, they always talk about this 20-30 minutes window where you need to get your carbos in, you need to get your proteins in and everything. And then it also extends all the way up to four hours, just as long as you just keep adding glycogen and protein to your body. Can you maybe take us through what, and now we had this example a few times of the Grand Fondo cyclists or gravel cyclists or triathletes, when they have finished the event, they get back home and, you know, just take us through all the steps that they should follow. So the, the window, it, it's often called the window of opportunity because from a hormonal point of view, you can amplify recovery there decisively. Uh, but it's not only kind of 30 minutes. It's like I mentioned before, probably an hour, maybe even two. But if if you tell an athlete, yeah, it's probably two hours, he most certainly doesn't manage to to comply. Yeah. So that's kind of the reason why we narrowed it down. If we say it's it's 45 minutes, he he succeeds in 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 sticking to 90 minutes, right? Yeah. And and what you need there is is basically again. A lot of carbohydrates, replenishing your your fluid losses, and and protein. And the rule of thumb is 1.2 grams of carbohydrates per kilogram of body weight. That's simple sugar. That's not the whole grain bread. That's white rice. That's not quinoa because it contains a lot of fiber. fiber. It can be pasta. It it can be white bread with honey with peanut butter. Yeah. Simple stuff almost as you would need before exercise because this helps you in speeding up the recovery same goes for protein and and the, the this these two amounts 1.2 grams of carbs 0.3 gram of protein occurs every two hours until you get your complete next meal and and the complete meal is carb focused has little vegetables is low in fat because fat slows down the accessibility of, of the decisive nutrients so protein and carbs and then yes we would be happy in having a, a good portion of protein so 30 to 40 grams in total that can be chicken that can be fish something light probably not a steak or raw 
raw fish because that's digested again slower. But these are things that people normally do intuitively. So it, I know few athletes that crave a steak right after the finish line, right? So yeah. Maybe something salty and greasy. Often then you see the burger or pizza cravings sub suboptimal because yes, too fatty and, and too low in carbs and protein. But it always depends what comes next. If you have a week, two weeks to recover, then the first two hours are not so decisive. If you finish up a mountain stage and tomorrow you have the decisive time trial then every second counts and so we shouldn't go crazy as amateur athletes in wanting to copy what we see in television in grand tours or on a professional level but of course our recovery is crucial as well because if if i totally kill myself over the weekend and the first three weeks of the day i am not performing at work you probably end up getting the, the outlook of your boss and that you don't feel well and also their consistency is king so if, if you kill yourself on the weekend and the next three to four days of your training is is not ideal obviously you screwed up badly and 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 that's why recovery matters it does matter no i think just some people they get a little uh surprised about when they especially on television see those grand tour cyclists that after they cross the finish line the first thing they grab is their the energy drink or the protein shake before even hitting the podium but you know they also have to perform on different level and they will have a lot more of those micronutrients uh, the following hours uh, so absolutely yeah and then there are also very targeted supplements that they use in in to speed up recovery some are well researched others are more on the placebo side but yes there i mean the system is very sophisticated and and also quite costly but that's nothing an amateur cyclist basically needs correct the key takeaways from our discussion today is not to limit ourselves to a single brand or type of sports drinks considering the effectiveness for all cycling or just sports activities in general if you're perfectly pair your sports drinks with your workout you can boost your performance and recovery more quickly and i would also suggest our listeners here who haven't listened to episode one and two of uh, of sports nutrition to go back to the November episodes and give them a listen because we're also covering their day-to-day nutrition, everything that is concerning fruits, vegetables, probiotics, fibers, and the micronutrients. That was a really good interview we did back then, just like the one today. So, And that was on sports nutrition episode one. And if you go to sports nutrition episode two, you will find us discussing protein and carbo intake. But actually, Danny, one last question and one minute, Max. We <laughs> protein powder and casing. I know the we, you know, it's the quicker and casing is more like the overnight, you know. But I was kind of surprised last week, but I kind of knew it. Also, the amount, just point one point two grams of protein do you need a day? I mean, the recommended, as you said, daily intake is 0.8. And it's just like we do nothing. And if you just do like what we do everyday riding, you still need that 1.5, 1.6. Yeah, and it's crazy high. I mean, you can spread that over the day, but I'm not eating enough of eggs or nuts or meat and everything. So I would definitely need that supplement. Is it still a good supplement? I mean, for the body, can it become, not saying immune for for the 
a powder proteins or no 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 no, okay. no, no, no risk there okay good. and especially at our age i think we're about the same age yeah. you need more protein because the synthesis and the absorption is yes 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 so. no that that i knew that uh, it's just uh, been having a difficult time to thinking that i had to you know wipe down like you will notice it the quality of the recovery and just performance yeah. overall is just better yeah, no it is no i definitely felt the difference when i start on it took me a few weeks where i start feeling it because i haven't touched any mm -hmm supplements i'm gonna get nothing at all since i quit cycling yeah. many years ago i stopped racing on high yeah. level and now coming back probably also Makes due sense. to my my Me. age is probably also yeah so yeah. and upping up on my carpo intake that just helped make my running and my cycling more fun again you know even though you have a so that's the drag right, right exactly so, uh, well danny thank you again for joining us on the castelli podcast danny if somebody listening here wants to work with you are you taking on clients and how best can they get in touch with you yes i do i i work not only in switzerland but but abroad so technical means allow this very easy i take on clients they find me most easily on my website That's www.donnyhofstetter.ch. I'm sure we can put this in the show I'll notes put because it in the show notes, yeah. it's a bit of a complicated Swiss <laughs> uh, German name. <laughs> uh, uh, hit me up. I, I often stress to my athletes, it's like when you work with a coach, kind of the interpersonal relationship and chemistry has to be right. right. That's why I, I talk to people when they, they want to work with me first and want to know whether they have a good feeling. And then we take it from there, and 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 it's it's uh, always a pleasure to have this international clientele, of course. It is, yeah. No, but definitely, Dan. I will track all your the links in the in the show notes to your social and to your website. And and again, folks, Danny. Apart from being a good, very good old time friend here, actually, we met doing a gravel event, more like an ultra event, up in the Dolomites five six years ago. The Dolomites five thousand. Yeah. Which is an event we always come back to and do every year, uh, organized by Igor Tavela. It's a must for the bucket list ride. But uh, Dan, you have done them all. You checked all the, was that seven editions so far? Yes. Yeah. We started 2016 and I haven't missed the spot. So yeah, it's one of the best days in the in my, my cycling year period. It's, it's fantastic. It is amazing. Yeah. And it's also a social thing. It's not just, it's not a race. It's a ride, but a social ride. But more, it's an attitude. It's an attitude because also they maybe you want to explain a listeners here what the whole Yolomites and then what the five thousand number means. Yeah, the, the idea started from Igor Tavela, friend of the brand, and Jared Gruber and Ashley Gruber. Yolomites are one of the best playgrounds for cyclists globally, but unfortunately there is lots of traffic in these nice mountain areas. And Igor, as a former professional uh, cyclocross rider, had the idea to ride all the most beautiful spots and, and, and sections of the Dolomites, but off the beaten path, so to speak. And we started in 2016 when everybody was still riding rim brakes and right. 25cc tires, exactly. road bikes, of course, and, and rode pretty gnarly stuff. And then... One, two, three years in, everybody was on disc brakes, was on a gravel bike. And, and it's kind of a beautiful development how you see the bike industry it is evolve. Also because and, very few and today, it, it's a, a very comfortable ride compared to what we've started right, with. A few of us actually uh, had compacts, real compact gearing on yeah. the bikes, you know, even though it's not oh, that yes. long time ago. No, you're right. Yeah. 
So. And the 5,000 is, it's approximately 120k distance and we do pretty much accurate 5,000 meters of climbing. So you can do the math, it's either steep uphill or steep downhill. Exactly. Uh, but it's, as I said, very scenic. Uh, Stunning views. Most, yeah. most special group that comes together and it's it's what makes cycling attractive to me. Yeah, no, you're right. And for those of you who are thinking, oh boy, I've never done 5,000 meters of elevation in one, in one ride in my life. No worries. I mean, there are also smaller groups doing the mini Yolomites, which is usually around two and a half to 3,000 meters of elevation. So still a big ride, less kilometers, of course, but uh, and less elevation. But uh, the first part of the ride or the first half of the ride, we usually all stay together and then the group splits after we have had lunch. So uh, a good day for everyone. Also, when we all come back to the hotel, everyone there can tell their, their story. So it's a big, one big social thing. It's beautiful. I, would, I will also yeah drop a link in the podcast notes here for the Yolomites. That's a wrap on the Castelli Sports Nutrition Series featuring Danny Hofstetter. If you missed any of the first three episodes or simply want to listen to them again, as they share some great nutrition facts to help everyday athletes enhance their overall athletic performance and daily lives, feel free to go back and give them another listen. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, give us a five-star rating to help us reach more cyclists through the algorithm. Also, if you'd like to suggest a future podcast topic, just shoot us a line at podcast at castelli-cycling.com or connect with us on social media. I'll include Danny's contact details and other important information from this episode in the show notes. We hope you all enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in two weeks with the first podcast episode of 2024 featuring the Belgian superstar Remco Evenepoel. Until then, take care, ride safe and have a happy new year.